belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for July 11th, 2021 is called, Put Down the Selfie Stick and Look Around. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Pratt Place Barn in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Man, I just want to hug everybody's neck. I missed I missed y'all last week um, when we were meeting in homes and apart. Uh, hope you had a great Fourth of July. Hope you had a good week wherever you went, whether you stayed or went somewhere. Um, I got the chance to go to Colorado, do some biking, some camping, um, some prep for a trip I'm going to take out there in the fall. Now, so before you think this is another boomer harangue on uh, my experience uh, about the obnoxious behavior of young folk. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Becky. Um, hear me out. I am not, anst- not anti-Instagram, okay? I am not anti-selfie. Uh, it's just that I'm much more pro put the phone down and pay attention with that, okay? I, I have an Instagram account. I do it. I'm just saying, though. Um, for some people, this is a matter of life and death. There are They literally call them deathies now, like people who are trying to get the perfect selfie in a national park at the rim of the Grand Canyon or in front of that bear at Yellowstone. Um, people are dying because they lose all perspective on where they are and they end up falling off the rim of the Grand Canyon or getting gored by a buffalo or run over by something that is stampeding because not only are they taking the selfie, but like my wife uh, refuses to do, they refuse to send the photo out before they've filtered it and adjusted it and added highlights and things like that. with it, and, and I, I just experienced this. I'm on this high alpine meadow above Crested Butte, this beautiful flower-strewn meadow up there, and and there's just someone with their head down, figuring out, you know, the perfect filter to send that with that. Um, so, like I said, I'm not anti-Instagram. I'm just more, hey, can we pay attention? Can we be present where we are? Now, hopefully we can learn to do both, right, in the real thing. But I think there's something here for us in this way to become present. And I think we're going to see that play out in our scripture this morning. So um, God has something to say to us about this. Isaiah 65, this is our penultimate chapter of our study. We have one more week in Isaiah 66 next week, and we're done. We've worked our way all the way through 66 chapters of Isaiah with this. Um, The past few chapters, there's been a dialogue back and forth. The people of Israel have been kind of talking back to God. It's actually very encouraging. It's a very uh, interesting play back and forth, how God will say one thing, and then the people will come back and kind of say, yeah, God, but what about that? And uh, and now it's God's turn. All right, so for the rest rest of this, we're going to hear God's reply. With that, now I'm not going to read all of 65. There's a lot. I'm going to read the first and the last. In the middle part, honestly, I'll tell you, it's got some really tough verses. It's got some really troublesome text, which um, we're not afraid of. It's just something we have to work 
through with more time than we have this morning. But let's let's look at this, starting with verse 1 in Isaiah 65. I have made myself available to those who did not ask for me. I appeared to those who did not look for me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was stuck taking selfies. Wait, no, to a nation that did not invoke my name. I spread out my hands all day long to my rebellious people who lived in a way that was morally unacceptable, who did what they desired. And honestly, this kind of is the selfie thing right here. Not, not, not in the real technical way, but in the more self-absorbed way. It says, these people continually and blatantly offend me as they sacrifice in their sacred orchards and burn incense on brick altars, which is a way of just denying God. It's a way of turning your back on God. It's a way of, of taking things into control and making it all about you. Idol worship is ultimately not about what you worship, but about who you are. It's about controlling the narrative yourself, putting yourself at the center of the story with that. They sit among the tombs and keep watch all night long. They eat pork and broth and unclean sacrificial meat is in their pans. And they say, keep it to yourself. Don't get near me, for I am holier than you. Ooh, ooh. Now again, there's a, there's a huge part of kind of God's response here, which is really troublesome that we, we can't deal with this morning. But at the end, if, if we jump down to verse 17, in spite of all that, that's what I want you, I just want you to know this, that in spite of all this, this is God's response. For look, I am ready to create new heavens and new earth. So before anybody here thinks about like the end of time, it's going to rapture and the earth is going to burn and we're all just going to float on clouds. No, we don't. Okay. God, it's all about recreation here, new creation here. What we have recreated with that. Um, the former ones will not be remembered. No one will think about them anymore. But be happy and rejoice forevermore over what I am about to create. For look, pay attention. Look, I am ready to create Jerusalem to be a source of joy and her people to be a source of happiness. Jerusalem will bring me joy and my people will bring me happiness. The sound of weeping or cries or sorrow will never be heard in her again. Never again will one of her infants live just a few days or an old man die before his time. Indeed, no one will die before the age of 100. Anyone who fails to reach 100 will be considered cursed. They will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build a house only to have another live in it or plant a vineyard only to have another eat its fruit. For my people will live as long as the trees. And my chosen ones will enjoy the fullest of what they have produced. They will not work in vain or give birth in children that will experience disaster, for the Lord will bless their children and their descendants. Before they even call out, I will respond. While they are still speaking, I will hear. And then we have this very famous promise of what shalom looks like. A wolf and a lamb will graze together. A lion and an ox will eat straw. And a snake's food will be the dirt. They will no longer injure or destroy on my entire royal mountain, says the Lord. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that creates an immense sense of wonder in me. I don't know how many of you have been to the Grand Canyon or been on a mountain peak, looked out on a serene lake at sunset, caught that perfect wave in the ocean. 
That's, that's what this passage speaks to me. Of that sense of, of wonder and awe at what God has given to me that I didn't even ask for. That I couldn't have thought up. I couldn't have created. Even if I had been able to conceptualize it, there was no way I could be able to create it. It's this giftedness of God through creation and through joy and through hope and through human relationship and through connection that, that is offered to us. And literally the requirement is look. Pay attention. It's already here. I've already done this for you. And so, as Christians, I, I, I firmly believe that one of the most important things that we do is to cultivate and never lose that sense of wonder. Kind of that addiction to the beauty of God. To the beauty of creation. To what everything has been given to us in that. And we have to ask ourselves in that process, what are we paying attention to? What is it we're paying attention to? Because as human beings, we're limited, we're finite. We only have certain, so much bandwidth. I know as parents, especially right now, right? Like you're like very aware of how much bandwidth you have, right? <laughs> but all of us, we've only got a certain amount. So, so in a way, everything that we're saying yes to, we're also saying no to something else. So when we're saying yes to paying attention to things other than God, other than this beauty, other than this truth, other than this goodness, we're saying no to God. We're saying no to those things. Now, some of these things we don't have choice over, okay? I don't want anybody to walk out of here feeling guilty because you've got job and obligations and laundry and bills and taxes. I don't want you to feel guilty about that. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm saying with what we have, with that ability that we have control over, what are we paying attention to? This past week, when we um, when we were meeting in homes, and I, I sent out that little video, I asked you to consider three questions. I ask everybody here to, to take some time, journal, consider where are you finding your truth. Was the first one to seriously consider where do I find truth? Where am I finding what I determine to be real, to be right, to be good, to be true, to be beautiful? With that. And then I ask, who is going to be your community in that? Because your community is largely going to be reflective of that. These, these questions are, are all intertwined. They all relate to one another. In a way, when we say, where are we going to find our truth, that's, that in a long way is going to go to define our community. Or we, we may start, some of us say, who's going to be my community? Well, that's going to be where we find our truth. Those two things are together with that. That's a very important question. And then the, the last one that goes along with it as well, how are you going to invest your life? How are you going to invest what you have? And all three of these questions are another way of asking, what are you going to pay attention to? What are you going to give your attention to? Is it going to be the easy stuff that just comes at you? Are you literally just going to channel surf your way through life? Using that as a metaphor, but often... I find myself doing the actual thing. Just 
whoever comes along, whatever happens, whatever comes in my newsfeed, like just doing that? Or, or are we going to be intentional about where we give our truth? We can become so self-absorbed and ignorant of all that God is doing around us. I mean, we can become so focused on that small, flat image on the screen that we are blind to the magnificent wonder all around us, both both actually and metaphorically with that. How many of you have seen this? Um, anybody who's probably taken a psychology class or anything have seen the famous video where they ask you to count the number of times the basketball has passed? They, they show a group of people in a gym, and they say, okay, count the number of times the basketball has been passed. How many, has done this? How many have done this? Okay, Yeah, a lot of you. So here's for those of you who haven't done it, it's a group of people, and they're passing a basketball, right? And then at the end of the video, they go, um, and how many gorillas were there? And you're like, gorillas? I was counting. Literally, during the video, a guy in a gorilla suit dances through the whole crowd, and you don't see him because you're focused on the basketball with him. So this, this is just indicative of what I think God is trying to get. He's like, look, you're going to miss it. If you're paying attention to something else, you're going to miss this thing. But if you pay attention to me, you're going to get it. You're going to see what you're supposed to see with that. That's called selective attention or inattentional blindness is that concept with that. I see this happening every day. Uh, Did it bust it? Oh, there it is. Rollins. Good. Um, Um, I see it happening all the time. I see it happening in my own life. Look, I'm not immune to this. This is not something that is hypothetical for me. I I have to discipline myself daily with this. Well, how does this, how does this fit into what we do as a church? How does this fit into Grace Church? As the people of God, as the, the followers of Jesus, by definition, we're never really going to fit in with the world. We're always going to be paying attention to something different. That, that's one of the basic things of being a follower of Jesus is we're called to pay attention to something deeper. Something that almost we have to work for to see in that. Outcast, misfit, dreamers. We value the warmth of hospitality because of that. It becomes more real to us because we usually don't find it. We don't find it in the world. It's not accommodating to us. And that's why we, why, that's why we extend radical hospitality here at church. And we feel it in a much deeper way than those who feel like they earn that. And this practice of radical hospitality is constantly creating in us more and more wonder and attentiveness to the person and practices of Jesus. And it's from these experiences that our faith is formed and refined. Um, So on my trip to Colorado, for the second time, uh, I listened to this book. And Becky is the one who, I'm really grateful, Becky, because you turned me on to this a long time ago. But this book, The Emerald Mile. Has anybody read this? 
Anybody looking for a good summer read? All right, here you go, Tosh. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible, and it's hard to describe. I mean, the basic concept is is a wooden boat run through the Grand Canyon on a speed run. But it's so much more than that. It talks about how we got our system of dams and geology and John Wesley Powell and history and all these things. Um, but it really centers around this group of guides, of river guides, who take people down the Grand Canyon in wooden dories, in wooden boats. Crazy guys. Incredibly, takes a tremendous amount of sacrifice to, to do this. But that's what the story centers in. And, and the author, towards the very end of the book, where he's kind of wrapping up and he's, he's given the what happened to the people who are in the story, he talks about this one guy, this interview he has with this guy named Rudy Paycheck. And um, he quotes him by saying this. He, he said, He said, along with his connection to the desert's austere enchantments, Peshik had never lost his sense of wonder at the complexity of the Great Canyon, both geological and human, that a place so huge and imposing could nurture at its deepest center a tiny community of misfits and outcasts and dreamers who were bound together by their addiction to its beauty. That a place that seems so cut off from the world can also seem so central to the world. And most of all, that a landscape so universally recognized and celebrated, a landscape that is said to lay bare the mysteries of nature and forces of time, can be filled with so much hidden treasure, secrets known only to a select few. Y'all, as I listen to this, my heart nearly broke. Because I constantly search for a way to describe the church. I constantly long for a way to express it in a way that I feel it. Not just theological language, not just strategic language, not marketing material. But in a way that I feel it. In a way that I feel God. In a way that when I pay attention I experience God. And as I heard those words, I thought, that's, that's close. That's close. That I get, I get to be part of this group of, this is not an insult, but I get to be part of this group of misfits and outcasts and dreamers. People who have looked at all that the world has to offer and say, no, we've we're going to pay attention to something else. We're going to be identified by something else, not by what we earn or how we look or educational attainment. But we're, going to, we're going to be identified by something else and are addicted to the beauty of God, of the kingdom. Who can, who, who in this place, this, not just the word of God is recorded in the Bible, but the history of God that is recorded throughout humanity, the church who can say, even, even in this place that, that seems to unveil all of time, 
Just like the Grand Canyon, all the layers. When we look at the kingdom, we look at the church, we see all the layers of time, good and bad, floods and fires, kingdoms and conquests. We see it all laid out. There's still so many hidden treasures. There's still so much to explore. There's still so much to see. And it seems available only to just such a few people. The people who are really willing to pay attention. That's what, that's what I feel about the church. That's what I feel about God. I know it's not theological. I know, it, I know it's not a seminary definition, but it's, it's what I feel about the church. Now, I do, have to, I do have to be really clear here, too, though, that there's a warning that goes along with this. That choosing not to pay attention is not just a, it's not just a take it or leave it proposition. It's not just a, well, that's nice for y'all. You choose that, I choose something else. No, there, there's a warning here, and I would be, I would be remiss if I, didn't, if I didn't say it here. There's a cost for ignoring this. And it isn't just that you're going to miss out. Well, that ought to be reason enough. It's much more serious. By refusing to pay attention to God, by giving our attention and affection and allegiances to other things, we bring on ourselves and on those around us a, a kind of judgment. Because God is not content to let us go our own ways. There is always a price for inattention and ignorance. Not because God is mean or petty or insecure, but because of the utter inanity, sterility, and toxicity of all that is not God. Meeting here on Sundays and throwing in with the church and choosing a life of sacrificial love and costly obedience and hopeful expectation and worked out faith and radical hospitality and violence rejecting shalom and paying attention to the person and way and will of Jesus is not just one option among many, but the singular way of life and life eternal. And even with that said, there are so many questions still to answer. But it starts with answering the question, will we put down the selfie stick? And will we pay attention? Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.